Hello and welcome to In Conversation with the Lancet HIV's podcast. I'm the Deputy Editor, Philippa Harris, and in a moment I'll be talking to Chichi Udagu from the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene, whose research on HIV partner services in New York City is included in the July issue of the journal. Of course, we hope you'll enjoy all the content in the issue, but before we get to Chichi, we'd particularly like to draw your attention to an article looking at implementation strategies to reduce HIV incidents in the USA. The research uses economic modelling to look at the optimal combination of strategies to reduce HIV incidents in six US cities, including New York City, and highlights the importance of tailoring strategies to the specific location, but also highlights that the current allocated funding is not going to be sufficient for the US to achieve the aim of ending the HIV epidemic by 2030. So hello, Chichi, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Great. So would you um, like to start perhaps by giving us an overview of the New York City HIV testing and treatment services and also the city's progress towards the UNAIDS 95-95-95 target? Um, so uh, it's, it's well known that uh, wide coverage of HIV testing has been associated with increases in the proportions of people who are diagnosed with HIV uh, get linked to care early and um, attain viral suppression. Since the early 2000s, uh, the New York City Health Department has embarked on multiple and targeted efforts, particularly aimed at those communities with high burden of HIV in New York City uh, with the aim of achieving increased um, coverage of HIV testing. Over time, the health department has promoted treatment guidelines that encourage rapid start of HIV treatment soon after diagnosis. And most recently, in 2018, the health department implemented Jumpstart at its sexual health clinics in that the HIV treatment is initiated on the day of diagnosis. Undoubtedly, these efforts have led to steep declines of new or delayed HIV diagnosis in New York City. The latest Health Department 2018 HIV Surveillance Annual Report shows that in 2018, the number of people newly diagnosed with HIV fell below 2,000, the lowest number of HIV diagnosis since annual reports reporting began in 2001. In 2019, New York City announced its attainment of the UNA's 1990-90 goals, a full two years ahead of schedule, meaning that 90% of all people with HIV know their status, 90% of all people diagnosed with HIV are on treatment, and 90% of all people diagnosed with HIV who are on treatment are virally suppressed. As of 2018 in New York City, it's estimated that 93% of people with HIV have been diagnosed. And of those diagnosed, 90% of people with HIV are on treatment and 92% percent of those people on treatment are virally suppressed. Furthermore, the New York City Health Department is believed to be the first uh, fast-track city in the United States to reach this milestone. The Fast-Track Cities Initiative is a global partnership of more than 300 
cities and municipalities around the world working to achieve the UNA's 1990-90 targets. And so your study was using um, data from partner services. So I wondered also if you wanted to talk about how they've evolved over the last sort of five, ten years. In fact, the evolution of partner services in New York City dates back 15 years. Then, as in most United States jurisdictions, the vast majority of people with a new HIV diagnosis were offered partner services only if they were diagnosed at an STD clinic. However, in 2006, the health department initiated an expansion of the provision of partner services, beginning in those communities with the highest burden of HIV uh, through partnerships with medical providers and the use of the HIV surveillance registry to identify every person with a report of a new HIV diagnosis. However, the primary goal of partner services, which involve elicitation, notification, and testing of partners, is case finding. And partner services are therefore directed to at people with exposure to HIV who are deemed to be HIV negative or had not ever received an HIV test. This process then generally excludes partners with established HIV diagnosis. Nonetheless, at the inception of our partner services expansion, we attempted to also offer partner services to those partners known to have been diagnosed with HIV, but found that the yield in terms of the number of partners obtained or new case finding did not support the routine provision of partner services for this group. Alongside partner services uh, since 2007 and capitalizing on our long-standing presence of name-based HIV and lab reports of AIDS since 1981 and HIV since 2000, we initiated what is now known as Data to Care Program. Uh, and Data to Care Program was uh, directed to people with previous HIV diagnosis. Primarily, Data to Care is the use of HIV-related reports to find people presumed not to be in care and to get them back into care. We look at indicators such as CD4 T cell counts or HIV plasma viral load in the HIV surveillance registry to select people presumed not to be in care, either because they lack these HIV-related reports or because the time since their last reports indicate suboptimal care. Health department staff then reach out to the selected cohorts and assist them with linkage to providers of HIV care and related services. So what we have done in the past five to 10 years has been to blend partner services and data to care models to achieve a complementary program for people with new or known HIV diagnosis. So what I mean by that is that we have gone beyond the specific aims of each approach, uh, meaning a new case finding for partner services or linkage to care for data to care. 
An example, we no longer set aside partners of people with a new HIV diagnosis who have been di previously diagnosed just because they already know their HIV status and therefore do not uh, require exposure notification and HIV testing. Rather, using the lab reports available to us in the New York City surveillance system, we now assess whether those previously diagnosed partners are currently receiving HIV care or if they have a history of unsuppressed viral load. Those who appear to need help with linkage to HIV care or viral suppression are approached and assisted with linkage to care and support services. Also making this blending of uh, partner services and data to care approaches possible include uh, policy changes over the last 10 years in New York City or actually New York State as a whole. In 2014, New York State amended HIV-related law to encourage the use of the HIV surveillance registry for data to care. And in 2016, the health department endorsed U equals U, undetectable equals untransmittable, based on studies showing that people with sustained viral suppression do not transmit HIV through sex. The current approach also extends the usefulness of partner services in that the records of previously diagnosed partners are thoughtfully assessed to identify and address the barriers they face in achieving optimal HIV care and outcomes, such barriers as stable housing, employment, uh, mental health, substance use, and addressing those barriers and issues that impact sustained retention in care and treatment adherence, and therefore translating to viral suppression. I just wondered if you wanted to kind of briefly discuss the findings from your study, but in particular, you found some distinct racial, uh, racial and age disparities when you were looking at your um, partner data. I just wondered if you would like to sort of comment on that and... Sure. So despite overall gains and improvements in New York City HIV-related outcomes over the years, these gains have not been equally realized by all sociodemographic groups. Specifically, there are persistent racial ethnic disparities, and this is borne out in our analysis of partner services and HIV surveillance registry data from 2007 to 2018. Um, specifically, we found the odds of not being in HIV care to be higher in non-Latino Hispanic Blacks than in non-Latino Hispanic Whites and other racial ethnic groups. In 2018 alone, 94% of white people with HIV and 93% of Latino Hispanic people with HIV were on antiretroviral treatment, compared to only 87% of black people with HIV. So that is a 6 to 7% gap between black people on treatment and Hispanic and white people on treatment. On age, we found the odds of having 
unsuppressed viral load to be higher in people younger than 30 years than those aged 30 years or older. The Health Department's 2000 HIV Surveillance Annual Report shows that people aged uh, between 13 and 29 years had the lowest viral suppression rate at 72% compared to 77% for people aged 30 to 39, 81 and 84% of people aged 40 to 49 and 50 to 59 respectively, and 90% of people uh, 60 years and older. Regardless of age, gender, or sexual orientation, Black people are disproportionately impacted by HIV in the United States. Sadly, these issues go beyond HIV and viral suppression. Um, so ongoing racism, stigma, and discrimination against people with HIV and financial and housing instability are major barriers to engagement and sustained engagement in HIV care. However, over the years, the health department has implemented um, programs to address uh, these uh, disparities, funding and partnering with clinical sites and community-based organizations we have attempted to target and focus our efforts on communities heavily impacted by HIV. And uh, there are many of these uh, programs, but um, I will share a few examples. Project Thrive works to improve coordination and provision of HIV prevention and care services to Black and Latino men who have sex with men in New York City borough of uh, Brooklyn, specifically offering lab-based HIV testing in clinical settings, integrating screening of sexually transmitted infections, referring and navigating clients to pre and post exposure prophylaxis, uh, PrEP and PEP, and uh, referring and linking clients to HIV services and behavioral health and support uh, services. There's also the Undetectables. Uh, health Department HIV uh, program funds the Undetectables program, which is an antiretroviral treatment support model, combining a social marketing campaign with a toolkit of evidence-based adherence support, including client-centered care planning and financial incentives for clients achieving viral suppression at several sites across uh, New York City. Uh, we've also embarked on a PrEP and PEP detailing campaign. Uh, so this campaign uh, consisted of one-on-one -on -one educational visits to providers and has reached, uh, to date has reached 2,500 providers at more than 1,300 clinical sites citywide. The first wave of the campaign prioritized practices that recently diagnosed HIV and um, sexually transmitted infections among Black and Latino men as well as practices in high poverty neighborhoods. And in 2019,
the program launched a PrEP and PEP detailing campaign focused on women's health healthcare providers. Uh, we also have outreach and education for combination HIV uh, prevention uh, to provide outreach, prevention, navigation, and linkage to PrEP and PEP, primarily focused on youth, including unstably housed youth. Of course, there are many more uh, programs, uh, but uh, these are just um, a few examples uh, that we have um, implemented to address uh, specific demographic groups. No, they sound fantastic. And I, I wonder how those sort of initiatives you've just talked about, but but also sort of, you know, all of the New York City HIV services, how you've been affected by the coronavirus pandemic, because obviously New York City, you know, was hit incredibly hard. Uh, yes, uh, the coronavirus crisis has caused major disruptions uh, in so many ways, and, and also particularly to our partner services and data to care programs. Um, it was in mid-March uh, 2020 that the uh, New York State Governor, Governor Cuomo, signed um, New York State on pause. And this was a statewide uh, stay at home and physical distancing uh, order. Furthermore, uh, many HIV medical providers closed their offices or drastically scaled down their business hours and in-person visits with uh, patients. In the immediate aftermath of the COVID-19 restrictive measures, we observed a significant drop in new HIV reports to the surveillance registry. Although we were able to reach people with HIV via telephone calls, we were either rarely able to link them to care because of the scarcity of HIV clinical care providers or because people were afraid to leave their homes or to go to a medical office. It was also particularly difficult to link people who had not been in care for some time with clinicians even for telemedicine uh, because they lacked uh, recent lab results and needed a physical checkup and a blood draw. Nonetheless, our program um, has been quite nimble uh, in adapting to the COVID-19 uh, disruptions. We were able to quickly set up virtual private network remote access for our staff to their office desktops while they continue uh, to work from home. Our staff called uh, each day major HIV care providers to inquire about their new diagnosis, if they had any, as well as their range and hours of services. And we compiled a list each morning, usually by 9 a.m., of providers and available HIV-related services and distributed um, the, this list to all program staff who were working from home. Our, our program staff has continued to make contact uh, with uh, people with HIV for partner services or data to care 
through telephone or video call and uh, attempt to link them to HIV care service providers, those whom we have confirmed were still seeing patients. And for people for whom we could not link to care, we checked in with them periodically and informed them uh, when an appropriate service provider had been uh, found for them. Since May, we have seen increases in HIV-related lab reports to the surveillance registry, and more HIV care providers are opening uh, their doors again. So we hope to be able to connect more people to service providers. One area of our program that came to a halt was our community-based HIV testing for partners who had not been previously diagnosed with HIV. Prior to the emergence of the COVID-19 crisis, our staff offered in-person HIV testing for people who declined to seek HIV testing on their own from a medical provider or um, an HIV uh, clinic. Uh, we have uh, not made in-person contact with clients uh, since uh, mid-March to minimize the uh, risk uh, to our staff. Therefore, we have been uh, unable to offer an HIV test to people in person being notified of HIV exposure by telephone or video call. Through our community uh, home test giveaway virtual program, we offer people coupon codes from partner organizations to redeem online uh, for a free Orashore Oraquick uh, HIV test um, kit delivered to their homes. And in, in June this month, uh, the health department announced a door-to-door, a new service through which all New Yorkers can order free condoms and other safer sex products uh, for home delivery. Lastly, I think the main commonality between my program's response to HIV and COVID-19 is the agility and speed with which we adapted to the conditions uh, we, we, we faced, uh, which are unique. Over the years, we've incorporated uh, texting, internet-based platforms, video call, in-person HIV testing in community settings, and partnerships with community-based organizations to reach and support diverse demographics impacted by HIV. Uh, so we have done uh, so again in our response to COVID-19. We were able to reach similar numbers of people as be before COVID-19 crisis while working from home. We did so by utilizing uh, the technology-based uh, communication tools that uh, we had previously developed. Well, that's great to hear, you know, how much you managed to continue what with everything else that's going on. And, and obviously, you know, we hope everything continues to sort of get better. Well, thank you so much for your time, Chi Chi. Um, and if you found that interesting, you might also be interested in an article that we published in the March 2019 issue of The Lancet HIV, which looked at HIV transmission networks amongst transgender women in Los Angeles and California. 
So thank you so much for joining us and we hope you'll be back next month when we'll continue the conversation. Thank you.